Alright, we're going to do another one because I still can't sleep. I'm going to hit some meatloaf music here since we're still uh, paying homage to his death. Uh, I The stories that he died of uh, COVID-related... complications, is that what you call them? Uh, came from TMZ. And it's not 100 yet, so take all that with grains of salt. But, we'll see. See what goes down in Chinatown. Um, his family did not confirm uh, his cause of death in the last report I read. So, got the video recording now. Hey, it's Big John on Americana, The American Way. As I cut my cigar. Um, you can find me on Gab on Twitter. And on Getter at the real underscore Big John, you can also find me on Parlor at the real Big John, all one word, and of course on all the podcasting apps and on Rumble, it is Americana the American Way. So, uh, hitting the, the meatloaf, like I said, I got a little up to, up to date. His cause of death has not been released by his family as of the last uh, legitimate report I read. Uh, TMZ reported it was covid related complications but one I'm gonna roll some meatloaf or meatloaf related songs in the background but this is one of my favorite meatloaf songs the first album of his that I had was uh, Bad Out of Hell Part 2 and this is Rock and Roll Dreams Come Through and it was just a song that made me feel good when I was younger. You know, I don't know how would I have been in when Bad Out of Hell 2 came out. Oh, sometime in high school, who cares? Uh, but it's just a song that makes you feel good. Um, Meatloaf's style of music was hard to nail down, hard to... Uh, Put a put a, a name to it because uh, like I just heard in this uh, Looper report, uh, he had an opera voice. That's what I can never nail down. He's he's not like a lot of the rock singers of his time, like Axel with his raspy voice or. James Hetfield had just screamed into the microphone 
Meatloaf sang, and he mixed rock guitars with uh, opera, with uh, orchestra music, and it had its own unique sound. That's what a lot of people liked about him. Of course, now I'll start getting sleepy, right? All right, so here's Meatloaf.
That was a song that really struck a chord with me because, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's kind of a song about songs, but, you know, I, uh, oops, that's not what I did. Pause, pause, pause. Um, when I was a kid, what I want you to do. Shit. You know, I would come home after a bad day at school or, you know, maybe I was, you know, like having a problem at home or something. And I would put on my headphones and have a CD player and I would really pace the floor or, you know, sit down in front of my video games or something and just let myself get lost in the music. And... You know, when you lose people that you grew up listening to, uh, comedians, musicians, it just makes you think back and, you know, what effect they have on our lives. You know, the, the old saying, laughter is the best medicine, you know, that applies to Louis Anderson. You know, like I've said, a lot of times I fall asleep listening to stand-up comedy and for a long time you know maybe a month or so uh, you know Louis Anderson was like my go-to on my playlist it would be the first comedian I listened to it would be his you know 1988 special or you know I probably had four or five Louis Anderson bits on that playlist including you know his uh, 1988 HBO special uh, you know or you know I would put on my uh, 
headphones and listen to my, you know, Meatloaf CD and, you know, that song Rock and Roll Dreams Come Through always struck a chord with me. Uh, or another song of his that wasn't actually really big on the radio, but uh, like Rock and Roll Dreams, uh, it was, they were big to fans. And uh, the, anyways, the other one was uh, Objects in the Rearview Mirror. Um, you know, not long before or after or during or whatever, uh, uh, this Bad Out of Hell 2 came out, a friend of mine committed suicide. And that song, Objects in the Rearview Mirror, really uh, hit home. It was like, you know, looking back to, you know, our brief but great friendship, you know, I had with this kid, and then he was gone, you know, so it's interesting how, you know, they say today's teenagers have more anxiety than the mental patients of the 1950s. And that's when mental health was in its infancy, sort of. Uh, and mental patients were sent were basically either, either heavily medicated with stuff that they don't even make anymore, like quaaludes, or they were institutionalized. And sometimes I wonder, man, maybe like the inability to sit down and listen to an artist and get lost in their music and feel inspired uh, is the reason for that. Because the music, and I know I'm getting old and this is a generational thing, but the music that's out today is shit. I mean, there's a lot, there are a lot of young kids, tw you know, teens and 20s that are like, man, that Guns N' Roses, they're freaking awesome. I'm like... Y'all are listening to Guns N' Roses? Like, that came out in 1987 when I was 11 years old. Oh, but man, this is so much better than today's music. And it sounded like me. You know, it's like shit fire. What? How bad must today's music be? I mean, what? How do you, how do you get lost in a song... How do you get inspired by a song by Cardi B when she's saying, park your Big Mac truck in my garage, my wet A-P, my wet A-S-S-P-U-S-S-Y? How do you, get, how you feel lost in that music? How do you feel moved and inspired by that? You know what I'm saying? Well, whatever. Enough of that. So, I was watching a thing by Paul Joseph Watson earlier today on YouTube, and it, he basically said it's over. The pandemic is over. And a lot of scientists are agreeing to that, that this Omicron variant that's replacing everything else, uh, which is weaker 
and it strengthens our immune systems and our immune uh, memory <clears throat> is going to be the end. Uh, Ireland is lifting its restrictions completely. Uh, other countries are doing the same. Great Britain has lifted the uh, mask mandates uh, and things of that nature. So it, it looks and seems and sounds as though uh, it's over. Now, the United States is about to, to either hit the, the peak of Omicron or we've just passed the peak. Uh, other parts of the world are going to get this. The places that are on strict lockdown, they're going to see a bump in Omicron cases and hopefully they follow the science and let uh, it run its course and boost people's immune systems while you get some mild symptoms, some mild uh, cough, sore throat, cold, snotty nose, what have you. You know. Well, Aaron Rodgers, who was criticized for saying that uh, when they asked him if he had gotten his COVID vaccine as required by the NFL, he said, I am immunized. And... He is actually allergic to one of the ingredients in the uh, COVID vaccine, pardon me. So he couldn't get the vaccine. But he took other steps to immunize himself and he got over his uh, COVID case rather quickly. Now he is in the prime age range where people recover well. He's an athlete so he's in good shape and he takes care of his body in other ways eats correctly things like that so he's going to recover quicker from a lot of viruses than uh, an unhealthy person like myself or whatever but uh report aaron Rodgers criticizes president biden for pandemic related quote Sports Illustrated reports Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers has gotten plenty of attention for his play on the field this season, uh, whatever. But he's also made headlines off the field due to his COVID-19 vaccination status and his stance on the matter. Friday, via fascinating feature or via a fascinating feature on Rodgers by ESPN's Kevin Van Valkenburg, Rodgers again made waves, this time by taking aim at President Biden. A uh, 28-minute phone call with uh, Van Valkenburg covered several topics, uh, his relationship with Joe Rogan, his frequent appearances on the Pat McAfee show, but... A few lines about the commander-in-chief that generated the most reaction among readers. Rogers reportedly caught wind of the incident. Or, Well, I should back up here. According to TMZ, Biden was revealed to have told 
a Packers fan, he wants Rodgers to get the vaccine while visiting Kentucky after the deadly week of tornadoes in December. <clears throat> Rodgers reportedly caught wind of the incident and was not happy. In the ESPN feature, Rodgers criticizes Biden for classifying the pandemic as a pandemic of the unvaccinated, which is very true. If you have the vaccine, you can still get sick and you can still spread the, the virus. That has never been the case with any other vaccine uh, in history. So they rewrote the definition of vaccinated. But anyhow, uh, something the president said back during official White House statement, September 9th. Uh, he also pressed distrust of the CDC and comment on Biden's public speaking ability. In <laughs> um, the quote, it says, this is Aaron Rodgers. In December, he was not happy, or I guess this is ESPN quoting Aaron Rodgers, a quote from ESPN about Aaron Rodgers. In December, he was not happy when President Biden, while talking to, or pardon me, taking a tour of tornado-ravaged towns in Kentucky, joked with a woman wearing a Packers jacket she should tell Aaron Rodgers to get the vaccine. Well, we've already been through this. Uh, you know, maybe Biden doesn't know, but Aaron Rodgers is allergic to the ingredients in the vaccine. So he cannot get the vaccine. When the President of the United States says this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, it's because him and his constituents, which I don't know how there are any, if you watch any of his attempts at public speaking, but I guess he got $81 million or 81 million votes, Rogers said on Thursday. But when you say stuff like that, and then you have the CDC, which how do you even trust them? But then they come out and talk about 75% of COVID deaths have at least four co cormo comorbidities. Let me read that again. Aaron Rodgers quoted the CDC saying uh, they come out and talk about 75% of COVID deaths have at least four comorbidities. And you still have this fake White House set saying that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That is not helping the conversation. So... Aaron Rodgers, I feel, is right here. He's correct. That the White House isn't helping. You know, turning people against each other. Other governments and other countries have uh, told people to tattletale on one another. And they're locking down people that aren't vaccinated and different things like that. Now, Rogers is going to catch heat amongst the liberals for this, but Aaron Rodgers is in no way a conservative or a Republican. He's just stating 
his opinion, which he has the right to, and you know the White House, you know, and Biden and Harris and uh, Jen Psaki, they all come up and say all these terrible things about Americans. You know, call some of us anti-vaxxers. Look, I'm vaccinated. Uh, I'm going for my booster. Oh, shit. In a few days, actually. And <clears throat> I'm like, you know, my doctor and I came to that decision. Not, you know, the the government or the bureaucracy or a bunch of Karens at a, uh, you know, some, you know, Karen Democrat rally, <laughs> you know, it's a decision between you and your doctor. And Aaron and his doctor said Aaron can't get the vaccine because he uh, is allergic to it. But it's over. It's been over and it's time for us to move on. And these mandates and you know, the, the other day there was a thing in the press with uh, the New York City PD because they don't have, you know, drugs and crime and robbery and murder. They removed a little girl from a museum in handcuffs, a nine-year-old, because she could not produce a vaccine uh, passport. You know, you can call it whatever the hell you want to, but they're treating it like it's a passport. And they took her out in handcuffs. Telling me, well, little kids can be hard to hang on to, I guess. Uh, but, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, what, two grown-up women cops can't handle a nine-year-old? They had to handcuff her? Really? George Floyd's rolling over in his grave. <laughs> Alright. Let's get jiggy with it. Uh, some things have come up about Trump and executive orders uh, in regard to the uh, allegedly proven stolen election. Talk all about that in a minute here. So... Uh, after the Supreme Court said that the uh, January 6th farce committee could see uh, into Trump's uh, executive actions, uh, paperwork, memorandums, and so on, uh, they discovered something. This is from Rogue Review, but it's uh, being reported on in other places too, so I want to be the first one to debunk any bullshit about this. Uh, it says, never release post-election Trump executive order that could have changed everything. This is, this is interesting. Friday, multiple never-before-seen documents related to the January 6th committee's quote, investigation, end quote, were first reported. Now, this is the January 6th commission, but what is about to be revealed had nothing to do with the January 6th riot. It's something that could have probably, possibly, maybe prevented the riot. 
but it was controversial yet nonetheless. Let's read on. Within the bombshell report, two documents, an executive order drafted by a member of Trump's administration, the Trump administration team, and a post-January speech titled Remarks on National Healing. Let's start with the executive order. This is the one nobody's reporting on. Executive order, which could have effectively changed everything regarding the election, specifically if Dominion voting machines used during the 2020 election are as corrupt and problematic as advertised. If if you if issued, pardon me, if issued, the executive order dated December 16th would have directed the secretary the defense secretary pardon me to seize all dominion voting machines used in the 2020 election and also appoint a special counsel likely Sidney Powell to probe the entire election and its results now if trump would have done that and evidently he didn't have enough proof that the Dominion machines were faulty or rigged to issue this executive order, so he did not sign it and issue it. Or maybe he found out he didn't have the power to do this through the the defense secretary. But this would have been a game changer. The entire election might have been recounted in every state, in every county, by hand recount, looking at the paper ballots that people filled out and put into the voting machines. Coulda, woulda, maybe woulda been, shoulda been a game changer. Maybe... It would have held things off and caused state legislatures, which have the power over the federal government in how their state elections are handled and counted, could have said, you know what, we want a full audit of these ballots, and we want signature matching and everything. Now, once the ballot's been scanned by the voting machine, you it's... I don't think you can trace it back to who it was, uh, who signed for it, because it's a secret ballot. It, where I come from, we have the ballot, and you have a ballot stub. Before you put your ballot into the machine, you take the stub off, and the stub has a number on it, so they can match your stub up with, yes, John voted but they can't match anything up with my ballot. So your vote is a secret so that, you know, the Clinton mafia can't Clinton side you. But that this is one of the interesting things. You know, would there have been full audits and signature matching done by the state legislatures 
in these states like Pennsylvania, Georgia, or yeah, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, Shittigan, pardon me, uh, that team up north, and Wisconsin, if this executive order had been issued, would this have triggered more people, more Republicans to stand their ground and stand up for the president? We'll never know. The other thing I already talked about, uh, he left one sentence out of uh, this speech on uh, time for healing the nation or whatever it is. Remarks on national healing was the name of the speech he gave on Twitter. Uh, No one cares. (laughs) Uh, One sentence was left out of it. Uh, If you go to roguereview.net, you can find this story and read the full executive order. I'm not going to. Um, I'll scroll down to the sentence that was left out of the uh, remarks on national healing. Wow, this is a long executive order. Well, anyways. Uh, I guess I'm not going to because it's not in here. Who cares? You can find it on your own. Remarks on national healing. That's an English speech. He left one sentence out and that's all the liberal media is going to talk to you about. Oh, if he would have said this sentence after the insurrection, uh, it would never would have happened. You can't stop a, a riot 24 hours after it happens. So, how good a chums, how good of chumleys were Billy Clinton and Jeffy Epstein. This is from an ex-girlfriend. Not the accuser that is suing former Prince Andrew, but from an ex-girlfriend of his that hung out with Clinton, Epstein, and the former Prince Andrew. She says Epstein and Clinton were like brothers. Gee Walkers. Don't brothers do a lot of things together? So if brother number one, Jeffy Epstein, who didn't hang himself, is uh, having inappropriate relations with minors, and we know Bill Clinton likes younger women uh, who are in search of romance and attention from powerful men, like he took advantage of Monica Lewinsky, Maybe uh, Jeffy and Bubba were uh, doing the hibbity-dibbity with underage girls, too. Let's read what uh, the former Prince Andrew's ex-girlfriend has to say. Her name is Lady Victoria Hervey, H-E-R-V-E-Y. She asserts that Jeffrey Epstein and former former President Clinton... We're like brothers. Herve, 44. Ooh, she's my age. I have no chance in hell <laughs> uh, at dating her. But 
Uh, she spoke to IVT's documentary, Ghislaine, Prince Andrew, and the Pedophile, about Clinton. She stated, Clinton was definitely very close to Jeffrey. I don't know if I don't know if you saw the paintings that were in Jeffrey Epstein's house, one of them being a portrait of Bill Clinton wearing the dress that Monica Lewinsky wore when they had the affair. So yeah, he was super close to Jeffrey Epstein. They were like brothers, you know, and he was close to Ghislaine as well, the Daily Mail reported. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell attended the wedding of Chelsea Clinton, Bill Clinton's daughter, in 2010. You're that that close of friends with pedophiles and pedophile pimps, which is what Ghislaine Maxwell was. <clears throat> what, what would you call that? Pedophile pimp? Pedo pimps? When you pimp out minors to rich, powerful men? Yeah, I think we're going to call that a pedo pimp from now on. So, the Clint, Bill Clinton was very close to pedo pimp Ghislaine Maxwell and pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, this lady, Victoria Hervey, was witness to this. Eyewitness testimony to Bill Clinton being close pals with a pedo. Now, don't you think, though, uh, Lady Victoria Hervey would have brought up names like, you know, Donald Trump, if she's naming off names? You know, there's a, there are assertions that Trump was close friends with Epstein, but on record, he threw Epstein out of his Mar-Largo um, country club or estate, whatever you want to call it, hotel, uh, in 2002 when Epstein hit on an underage staff member. And they never had real friendship after that. But in the 90s, if you were on the social scene and one of the muckety-mucks, Jeffrey Epstein was one of the guys you hung out with. He brought the babes to the party. He took you to his, you know, party island. Or, the, you know, they called it Sex Island. But a lot of the locals in that area, even back then, were calling it Pedophile Island. So, like, the, the local rich folk on the other nearby islands, like St. Thomas, they knew what was up on Epstein's Island. Uh, <clears throat> asked what Epstein and Maxwell wanted by being friends with Andrew, that's speaking of the former Prince Andrew, Hervey asserted Prince Andrew was the son of the Queen of England. Americans loved that. Jeffrey Epstein loved that. The Clintons loved that. So they loved uh, Prince Andrew and hooked him up uh, because he was, you know, the son of the Queen of England. And Americans, are, we are, you know, we, you know, disowned the throne in 1776, we still have a fascination with British royalty. Uh, 
of Epstein's little black book, which is list of a list of phone numbers and names of people who attended parties. Harvey claimed if if you were on the social scene in the 90s and you were not in that address book, then you did not exist. So basically anybody that was anybody popular uh, was truly um, a socialite, a high roller, one of the cool kids at the super cool, you know, rich and famous parties, you were in that little black book because Jeffrey Epstein wanted his claws in everybody. And that's where he made his money was by blackmailing people. He wasn't a brilliant uh, hedge fund manager, although that was his official title. Um, According to the Daily Mail in 2016, when Hillary Clinton was running for president, Epstein's attorney contacted the couple who managed Epstein's private island in the Caribbean between 1999 and 2007 and asked them to sign a sworn affidavit declaring they had never seen former President Clinton on Little St. James, known to locals as Pedophile Island. So... Uh, Epstein's attorney contacted the people that ran his uh, island while he was away running I don't even want to go there uh, running other things Uh, he wanted them to swear that the Clintons were never there he wanted the people who ran the island to sign sworn affidavits that the Clintons were never on pedophile island which means that the Clintons were on pedophile island (laughs) <laughs> Darren Endike reportedly contacted Miles and Kathy Alexander, according to the Daily Mail source, and not only asked them to state they had not seen Bill Clinton on the island during their tenure there, so that 1999 to 2007, that was just the time that they worked there. That's not the only times that Clinton might have visited Pedophile Island. That's just the time frame when those people worked there. <clears throat> uh, not only asked them to state they had not seen Bill Clinton on the island during their tenure, but also to state, state that they were not aware of him having visited the island even when they were absent themselves. <laughs> and it... <laughs> This is just sick. I mean, all I can say is it's a sick world we're living in. Uh, Anybody that thinks that there's not an elite uh, pedophile ring or pizza gate that's running this country, running this world, or at least uh, around the upper echelon of rich, powerful people, you're an idiot. <clears throat> the proof and the you know evidence is out there. You just have to open your eyes and see it. Uh, that's all I can say about that. Um, we're not going to normalize the relationship or attraction between adults and children. We're not going to call 
pedophiles, minor attracted persons, or maps. We're going to call them pedophiles. And if I ever get my way, they will be, if you get caught having sex with a child, you need to be executed. Buried up to your neck in sand and have rocks thrown at your head. Because the emotional damage you do to a child by molesting them or abusing them is a painful emotional scar that will last a lifetime and it will not go away. After the first couple rocks go smashing into your skull, your pain will cease. And you know what? Yeah, that's not a very nice Christian thing to say. And I probably wouldn't go through with that. But that's my emotional response to people that want to sexually abuse minors and to the people that want to defend those people. And I frankly, Scarlet, don't give a damn. So, Lord, forgive me for that evil thought. I know even you can forgive a pedophile. Um, in closing, this is Big John Americana, The American Way podcast and channel. Uh, God bless y'all. Pray for one another. Pray for me. You know, I got things going on in my life. Um, and y'all love one another. Because love comes from God and God is love. And I'm sorry if I say things that uh, aren't nice and I get upset sometimes. But it is what it is. So, God bless y'all. Pray for one another. And uh, we'll see you next time. We'll find the volume key here. and You can jam to some Guns N' Roses as I fade into the darkened, cigar-smoke-filled room. There we go.